Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome to another episode of Biohacking Beauty Podcast. My name is Amitai Eshel, the co-founder and CEO of Young Goose, the biohacking skincare company that this podcast is by. I'm very excited to have you on today. My guest today is an amazing, incredible wealth of knowledge and a person called Aways Spall who is a certified functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. In, in short, he's going to tell his story, but he went through a challenge with a myriad of uh, digestive issues and muscle spasms. He was soon diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome and irritable bowel disease. And, you know, basically got uh, diagnosed by a bunch of doctors and found the regenerative health space since then, he got uh, certified as a functional diagnostic nutritionist and really dove into functional medicine and Ayurvedic medicine. And uh, in my opinion, he is one of the most interesting and educated people within that space. And I, uh, especially as far as peptides go, which is most of what we're going to be talking about in this podcast today. We're going to discuss what peptides are. We're going to dive deep into different peptides for different functions, whether it is for better skin, better performance, better even sexual performance, better gut health and overall wellness. It's, it's an amazing podcast to listen to in, in, in my humble opinion. And again, you will learn what peptides you can use in order to achieve your goals in whatever area that is that your goals are at. You will learn what peptides are and how they function in our body and how to take them safely. And uh, you will also learn what is uh, how Aways uh, manages or what is his approach to improving the health of the person that he's working with. So I'm very excited for you to listen to that. Before we dive into today's episode, it would mean the world to me if you took out uh, two seconds out of your day to subscribe to the podcast. Not only does this ensure you will never miss on an episode, but it also greatly helps the growth of this podcast. So please make sure you do that. And for last but not least, I'm reminding you that this podcast is brought to you by Young Goose, the biohacking skincare company, which you can find us at younggoose.com. Take our skincare quiz, and figure out what uh, system is right for you. But basically what the systems mean is that we lower the functional age of the skin and then we ask the skin to do specific things, whether it is for general anti-aging, tightening wrinkles, things like that, pigmentation, hydration, and acne. So highly recommend taking that short, very short and, and uh, important quiz and uh, get on your young boost journey. But without further ado, please welcome Aways Spall. Okay, so Aways, welcome to the Biohacking Beauty Podcast. As I told you off air, this is an episode that I've been uh, waiting for for a while. So I'm very glad to have you on. Thank you, Amite. Very excited to be on. Yeah, and and uh, obviously you, we, we met at the biohacking uh, conference the first time. Uh, you're an incredibly impressive human being, aside from being very tall. You're also very impressive. <laughs> and um, the, the premise of bringing you to the podcast, even though you have a very wide, I would say, like a area of specialty, 
I really wanted us to dive deep into um, the, you know, to the world of regenerative medicine and specific, more specifically peptides. So maybe before we we do all of that, you know, how did you get into this world? Like, what what is your origin story as far as like biohacking and health optimization and stuff like that? Absolutely. So my origin story ties into peptides. Actually, about eleven years ago, I had. Uh, fibrosis and kind of a lot of damage to my front delts. Mm-hmm. I was very young. It was very scary. Fo- diagnosed frozen sh- shoulder. Mm-hmm. I was seeing um, orthopedic surgeons and they were saying that, you know, you have chronic damage. We're going to have to possibly consider surgery. Just a very distressing thing as I'm entering adulthood. I started reaching out to doctors. Rege- that's when I first got into regenerative medicine for my own health. And I met this doctor. He was very, very nice. And uh, he could see that, you know, I was a student and I wasn't resourced to spend mm-hmm. money on regenerative medicine. So he invested his own money to give me peptides and PRP. Um, wow. And I was paying very, very minimally. And it was really powerful. It was helpful. But this this was just way before... Uh, peptides even became a talking point. Mm-hmm. He injected me with a with a blend of different peptides, and he told me, "I'm not going to name even." It was so long ago, just because of HIPAA, mm-hmm. who he was also working with. But he was working with a lot of NBA players yeah. and some like you know some iconic NBA players. And he was telling me that you when they get injured, they get a sprain on their leg. How do you think they come back? Two weeks. He's like, I'm, I'm working with some of them and we're doing these exact protocols. The tissue regenerated so quickly because I was so young, but also because these peptides were so powerful. And then he gave me some printouts on um, different peptides. And it just, it really started to blow my mind um, yeah. as to just like the power of them. And then over the years, I was always interested in biochemistry, studying biochemistry. My life went different paths. Um, I got into relation chemistry and uh, worked in the cannabis sector for a period of time, uh, formulating actually topicals, which I'm not oh. even sure you talked about, CBD topicals, which actually is why I really like, you know, your the line that you guys have and just mm-hmm. about it from that a formulation chemistry perspective. But so from there, I wanted to come back into the world of having a health practice and I was just called to do that mm-hmm. and my background in formulation chemistry my grandfather being an herbalist inheriting a lot of Ayurvedic herbalism and that traditional system with the science and then with that backdrop of regenerative tools that are only coming popular it was just a, a great way to launch into a practice and really fulfills my heart and I feel like that's what I'm meant to be doing. So that's my story in a nutshell. That's a beautiful story. And and yeah, I think, you know, the nature of peptides, the nature of them being, and we're going to get to it in a second, but the nature of them being like not patented for the most part, especially the more popular ones, the fact that they're not very, they're becoming popular, but really even when we say becoming popular, it's such a small segment of the population that it's going to take years until they're popular. Like anyone who deals with them right now, 
I feel has to come from a place of calling because it's not like you're going to get rich from recommending people BPC 157 or anything like that. So that is more power to you. And, and that's exactly why I'm excited to converse with you. So maybe before we get in more into like the nitty gritty of things, how would you describe what a peptide is? especially for the layman, you know, let's say you, you're, you're in a bar and someone asks you about your, your passion for peptides. What would you tell them that peptides are? So that's a great question. So peptides are amino acid chains. They can mm-hmm. be longer amino acid chains or they can be longer amino acid chains. They were first discovered, you know, a little over 100 years ago and sequenced. And the most popular peptide is insulin. Mm-hmm. So there are peptide drugs most of the peptide drugs are insulinogenic. But what a peptide is in a nutshell is they have various biologic functions. So far, we have sequenced about 3,000 peptides that are existing in your body right now, mm-hmm. doing various functions, doing, they're, they're regulating your immune system, they are healing your gut lining, they're regulating your neurological function. That's a huge part of our body's natural capacity to regenerate. Mm-hmm. We obviously make stem cells with that. However, stem cells have gotten a lot of popularity, you know, your own endogenous stem cells, but peptides along with the growth factors are a huge part of your body's ability to regenerate. And in their history, they're just so powerful. What about the regenerative peptides, the immune peptides, the skin peptides, which as you, you've mentioned, are a lot more popular, more people know mm-hmm. about them. So those are just the general categories of what, what they are, what they do. there's anti-aging peptides, there's sleep peptides. Usually because the amino acid chains are fragile, there's subcute injections. Uh, one of them, cerebrolysin, is an intramuscular injection, but usually there's subcute injection. We're figuring out strategies to compartmentalize and, and wrap these peptides in nanovesicles to create uh, oral peptides, which is a, mm-hmm. a new cutting edge area. But uh, yeah, that's peptides. Would you say if I said that peptides are the body's computer codes, would that be something that you would agree with or that would it bother you? Like if it, if we are a, a, an engineer and we're writing, uh, you know, store or whatever, and we want you know our computer to do something specifically that co- that code that line of code would be like a peptide basically the way that our body uses peptides where it would be the requirement for a specific action i love that i love that uh that that example i think it would be a program or bodies for example our hardware is uh the you know the mac computer mm-hmm. right then peptides would be a important part of that software that's writing that code. To give you an, an area that I'm fascinated by is immune peptides, mm-hmm. um, because our own body's own ability to make immune peptides is an important part of keeping the immune system in balance and preventing autoimmunity, preventing high immune function, which creates a lot of that uh, autoimmune disease state. So I do think that in that sense, thinking about it like a code, like a program. And this is actually uh, in in biology. Now we're adopting a lot from information theory because we're learning that a lot of, uh, a lot of our body is information. A lot of what we take is information. Yeah. You know, there is actually a, a very popular 
professional line of skincare products that is derived off of uh, an immune peptide that's called LL37, which basically is designed or is aiming to activate follicular stem cells through a derivative of LL37. The, the company is called uh, Defenage, and it's pretty a pretty popular brand. I mean, I've seen them grow and grow and grow. So it's pretty interesting that there will be these cross paths, right? Like if you want, you know, better recovery, you will be also addressing that immune function as part of that recovery or whatever that is. Like if, if we talk about skin specifically, a lot of what is, uh, you know, I did do, do an episode about senescent cells. So anyone who, who listened to us for a while is familiar with uh, zombie cells or senescent cells or cells that are malfunctioning, let's just call them like that. So a lot of what is happening in the skin specifically, as far as like senescence is immune cell senescence. So I, I believe that most peptides are going to have this, they are like a specific demand or some kind of coding in the body, but they affect so many other things. And that's what's magical, magical about them. In my opinion, it's like you choose what, you know, let's say we're choosing, uh, let's say we, we want better skin, or let's say we have a, an injury that we want to nurse back into health. We choose the peptide according to that end goal. But what the peptide does, because it is for the most part, something that is derived from an innate peptide in our body, it kind of activates all of those different systems in order to deliver that end goal that you wanted it to, to deliver. I, I love that analogy that you gave and the, I had not heard about topical applications, transdermal applications of LL37, but mm -hmm. this is where I think the skin research is just so fascinating. And, you know, this is your area of expertise in the transdermal formulation world for a very short period of time. Mm -hmm. But the thinking about the skin, I was reading this uh, paper as kind of a representation of the whole body and looking at it as one phase two detoxification is happening in the epidermis. So if you have toxicity in the epidermis, right? Like I'm living in Los Angeles, my skin is going to have all these toxins coming into it. And the immunologic pathway, just thinking about that is fascinating because then you have to modulate the immune system of the skin. And then that as an activation themselves and, uh, kind of like that immune balance, you know, possibly then that makes us think that a lot of aging around the skin is kind of related to an imbalance of the immune system, which is, you know, the area that I in functional medicine. Yeah. As when we talk about the skin specifically, it's very interesting because the skin, we, we can look at processes of aging in the skin. We can divide them into two. First of all, we can say intrinsic aging and extrinsic aging and intrinsic aging is what most people within the wellness realm like to look at because they are saying, oh, whatever I am getting into my body or the way I live my life as far as like my body is my temple for that matter is going to determine how my skin ages. And even though I agree with it, this podcast is kind of about, you know, convincing people to have a healthy lifestyle in order for their skin to look better. So even though it's very dear to my heart specifically, Unfortunately, it is only, on average, only 20% of the reason our skin ages. 
and mm. 80% is what is called extrinsic aging, which is exactly, or which a big part of it is what you're, you're referring to, that exposure to elements, exposure to the environment, stressors from the environment. And if you live within that 80%, if you live in LA or in um, Cairo or in Mexico City or wherever, it's a very large city that is very polluted, more of what determines skin aging would be associated pollution and the exposure to harmful, you know, environmental stressors rather than the sun, which most people tend to, you know, you know, think of when they think of extrinsic aging. So you are more than correct. And actually, if we talk about more like, you know, esoteric science, if you would, there is something in the skin that is called interfacial water channels, which are basically, you can think of them like uh though like structure water in the skin for that matter and and anything in the skin that is high hydrophobic is going to use those water channels as a way to stick things to it or to to kind of adhere it creates like a glue type response and everything that is hydrophilic which means that it likes water it actually helps whatever that is to glide for that matter and what happens, especially when you're exposed to the elements and ha have a subpar immune system, is that your skin surface is becoming more and more sticky, in air quotes, and is more inclined to hold on to those pollution. And that's kind of a, you know, a snowball effect, if you would, of holding on to more, you know, pollutants, getting more and more and more dysfunction in your in your immune system, in the skin, holding on to more pollutants, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, to your point, it is very interesting to see how, you know, the immune immune peptides have become more and more and more prominent when we talk about peptide therapy as a whole. But what most people would know peptides for are either skincare, peptides in skincare, or what we call like Wolverine peptides, right? Like peptides for regeneration, which I, people like Ben Greenfield and, and other people have really popularized recently. So, you know, we, we did mention BPC-157, that's one of them. What's going on there as far as like re regeneration? How does this work? So it's a good question. How do these regenerative peptides like BPC-157 and TB thymosin beta or TB500, how are they facilitating that regeneration? So the pathways that BPC is involved in, we have it in our body. The BPC family of peptides, we have quite a few of them in our gastric tissue, getting throughout our tissues. And what it'll do is it seems to promote various growth factors, endogenous growth factors, endogenous stem cells to facilitate that healing. Some of it is related to that mite um, and autophagy, getting rid of old bad cells. And some of it is just healing that damaged junction or that damaged tissue. For example, BPC, we've seen very impressive regeneration in animal model damaged uh, gut endothelial junctions. Mm -hmm. With TB4, we see a little bit more around healing the fibrous, the fibers in the body. And that's why that combo of BPC and B4 is so powerful. And, you know, it, it's been popular, uh, you know, the on the historic note, Ben Greenfield in our world and the biohacking world has mm -hmm. made it very popular. But before that, it was very popular in bio in bodybuilding for the past 15 to 20 years. And that's kind of 
the note that my uh, that doctor that introduced me to it actually introduced me to it in that context because he was also a part-time you know professional bodybuilder and um he would tell me that he's like he's like I can push myself so hard I can actually tear a muscle and kind of regenerate mm-hmm. it very quickly just high dosing um these is that a good approach probably not but that's kind of the the pathways in which BPC and TB500 work yeah and i and within those like uh piggybacking off the the subject of uh, bodybuilding or or you know what most people are associated bodybuilding uh, with which is like hormonal enhancement and support right now within the anti-aging field or longevity field or health optimization field whatever you want to call that these type of like hormonal support peptides are also becoming quite popular right uh ipamorelin semorelin all of those so why do people use why have they become very popular like in anti-aging right now why why are they why are they popular because they are right it's it's almost like everyone you're you're talking to you realize that that after a certain age at least at least has considered using them yeah absolutely so the gh peptides are really interesting there's some that will increase your gh production and then there's Growth hormone, other, yeah. exactly oh yes growth hormone production and then there's others that will growth hormone secretion mm-hmm. so that's why we blend take two at a time like cjc and ipamorelin so that we can get both of those and then there's some ways in which uh the gh growth hormone rhythms work that mm-hmm. we don't quite understand to why they have a certain outcome for example Tessamorelin is another GH secretagogue. That one seems to help people burn belly fat. Mm-hmm. And why growth hormone itself, yes, growth hormone itself will make you very, like just taking bioidentical HGH. Growth hormone peptides may have a little bit of that effect over time, but mm-hmm. tessamorelin really seems to attack that visceral fat in the abdominal tissue. So it kind of as they're doing a protocol they're optimizing their physique get rid of that last bit of fat how does a growth hormone rhythm uh, targeting a specific growth hormone rhythm do that we don't entirely understand but that's what made makes that a popular one as you age your growth hormone declines and you know growth hormone is one of the most important regenerative hormones in the body and we know that thinking about like your true DNA biological age restoring your GH levels will help to out um, you can actually cut down on your true DNA biological age and just the biological age markers which is why it's so popular another reason they're so popular is they're very accessible um, you know there's various ways to get your hands on them ever like in contrast you have HGH human growth hormone mm-hmm. that's very expensive a prescription of that can cost you a thousand to fifteen hundred a month yeah interesting yeah definitely and and what's interesting is that you know within our realm of health optimization we can and uh, you know referring to the the idea of um, rhythms and trying to sync rhythms I've heard a lot of uh, you know discussions about uh, growth hormone peptides and uh, health of sleep like and, and improving sleep in that actually I'm not very clear about how exactly that works so what's going on there for people who really are interested in like you know improving their sleep how do you do that with GH peptides that's a great question so all the GH peptides sermoral and acid 
CJC-1295, Ipamorelin, Tessamorelin, Hexamorelin, you know, GHRP6, all of the growth hormone peptides are going to- AOD9604. AOD9604, yes. How could I forget? Uh, <laughs> that, um, and the drug, uh, it's, uh, it, it is, it kind of works similar to the Tessamorelin. Mm-hmm. And um, it was very new, like two years ago. So I was staying away from- Staying away from it, but uh, now we're seeing that people are using it as a higher safety profile. Dropped in cost, it was extremely AOD just like two years ago. Um, so now you can actually do put it into a protocol. But how do they help with sleep? Most of our growth hormone is secreted when we sleep, and these secretions happen actually during our delta sleep. So something that bodybuilders, when they would take HGH, would notice. And, you know, bodybuilders, professional bodybuilders, like in the IFBB, they take high mm-hmm. dose, yeah. right? They take five to 10 times the dose would that's trying to optimize, right? That's why you see the GH guts and things like that. Mm-hmm. But something they would notice is they would only have to sleep like four or five hours, and then they would wake up feeling extremely fresh. And so that then made us think about just what maybe a huge portion of why we sleep, one portion of why we sleep, sleep does so many things is possibly to get our daily fix of growth hormone. Mm -hmm. So taking the growth hormone secretagogue before bedtime, it's really tonifying for the body and really calming and really soothing and helps you enter deep sleep because then it shows the body that, hey, we're going into, oh, there is the growth hormone being secreted. So it's kind of like that bio happening. And that can work really, really well. And then it can be very restorative for sleep. However, I will say this for some people, that feeling can be a little bit groggy, and they don't like, like they'll sleep nine hours, but they wake up, and it takes them hours to get out of that, like, almost like they're hungover. Mm -hmm. So, you know, peptides, just because our bodies are so unique. And of course, that's the case with a lot of things. But with peptides, especially because you have your own endogenous peptide gene pathways that they're involved with, everybody is going to be different. You know, everybody will respond differently to different GH peptides. Some people are going to love tesamorelin. Some people are not. Some people are going to want to blend CJC. And some people are going to stick to the classic cerebrellin acetate that's been around for a long time. And that's going to help their sleep and they're going to be feel great on it. But so, you know, it's just about figuring out what works best for you. Mm-hmm. Great piece of knowledge. I, I, I actually wanted to ask that for a while. So, you know, moving on to uh, what most people are interested as far as this podcast is concerned, and this is having better skin or in general having you know, improving longevity, improving youthfulness, whatever that is. What are some of the peptides that are looking good as far as that is concerned? I know a lot of the um, mitochondrial-derived peptides are are popular in that aspect, but how can we improve the way we look or our youthful state with peptides? That's a really great question. And I think even here, so I'll, I'll name some general ones that are fantastic, mm-hmm. but even here, it can be around knowing your bioindividuality and knowing what we're trying to target, right? Mm-hmm. If you have a histamine sensitivity and histamine's been a huge been a huge part of your life, your health challenge in a peptide that regulates mast cell and the release of mast cells which release histamine can do wonders for your skin. It can be very regenerative for your skin. It can take 
on month for you to notice profound differences. So the peptide I'm referring to there is called KPV. So that's in that context. If histamine is not a huge, you're like, I don't have a histamine allergy. That's not something I've ever dealt with. Then that may not be something that would have that effect on your skin. The Always, before actually you continue about KPV, there is research recently looking at it as preventing keloid scarring. Is that something you're aware of? Did you read anything about that? I have read that. Yes, I have read that. And I think the pathways KPV is involved in because it's such a small amino acid chain. Mm-hmm. It, it might have a really high tissue saturation because some of that scarring is related to, you know, fibroid deposits and the body's inability to clear, um, mm-hmm. you know, fibrotic. I, I do think KPV can be really, really helpful. And I think it would be an anti-inflammatory that would kind of make sense in that context, along with other peptides. Understood. Okay, great. Sorry to, to cut you. It was, it was a little important snippet. I, I wanted to ask about KPV. Okay, so that's one thing. What about people who don't have any issues that they know of with histamine? Great. So the grandmother or granddaddy of uh, skin peptides is GHKCU. So a lot of your listeners might be familiar with this. It's been used in skincare formulations for quite some time. Topically, it can be used. It's very powerful. However, I, I have seen one of my colleagues in Austin was doing a small study looking at GHK applied topically versus a sub-Q injection. The injections are very powerful. Uh-huh. And there's a fear people have around the copper. Is it going to cause copper overload? And that's just not the way that it works. That copper is for tissue healing, for wound healing, for skin repair, for the antioxidant pathways that it's going to trigger. And it doesn't quite go deep into the tissues and cause that copper saturation that we call copper overload. Or, you know, I'm a, I'm a functional practitioner. I check for all of these things um, and I, you know, make sure there's, there's that safety profile. So the mini trial that we did in Austin, GHKCU injectable, it was unbelievable days what it did um, to just repair uh, the skin and just the, uh, the condition of the skin. So that's, that's the most popular one and, and my favorite. The other ones, there's another one that I don't like, and it's kind of a skin application. It's called Melanotan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, uh, it was oddly, there was a period of time when it was less regulated than other peptides, which was just absurd. And you'll understand why it's absurd when you listen to what it does. Melanotan gives you a tan and gives you boners if you're a man. <laughs> so I remember, very, I remember yeah. co- people calling it the Hollywood peptide because who wants to get more tan? Who wants, you know, better sexual performance, but also wants, it, it does have some benefits to like fat loss and, and, and uh, you know, hypertrophy. So, so that was like, uh, you know, labeled as the peptide for the stars for a while there. Yes, absolutely. And myself being in it, definitely see that being the case. I definitely, I saw some people take a high doses of it and get that like super weird Milano 10 tan. But then I also saw people take regular dose of it and get like a healthy tan, noting improvements in sexual performance. And then, I mean, with the melanocorticoid pathways, that is just fascinating to think about. And I think we don't have, you know, other melanocorticoid peptides, but 
that pathway in the skin may be a powerful interlay between the immune system and immune regulation and uh, just reducing, uh, you know, stimulating the melanocorticoid pathways may be doing a lot to modulate the immune. So melanotan-1 has been used with some Lyme patients at a mm -hmm. few clinics that are utilizing peptides very successfully. Lower doses of it, you know, doesn't get you tan. Um, if you are tan, like myself, it doesn't get you tan. If, the, if, you know, if a practitioner is recommending it for a specific context like that. So just kind of, so that's why I love peptides. It's like, I just said, it gives you erections and a tan, but then we're kind of talking about the same pathways being involved in regulation and then the elasticity of the skin as well, right? So there's so, so much happening. So why is it not something you like, uh, melanotan specifically? So melanotan one and two, very similar, just different, uh, different strength, more or less. In clinical applications, and you know, I, I work with a medical team, and uh, you know, do everything in a compliant fashion. Melanotan one, I people weren't liking the tans, getting mm -hmm. you know, and it's just like that bio individuality. It's like one person gets no tan, the other person gets like this orange hue developing on uh -huh. their skin. A third person gets a beautiful, perfect bronze tan. So it's like one of these things. Where it's like it's it's just weird. Like yeah, yeah. What like mm -hmm. those differences makes me think we need to do more research. We may need to right if is if we could synthesize more melanocorticoid peptides and just kind of maybe remove those portions, figure out what's causing what, and just you know figure out. I mean that just work on the immunologic slash skin benefits minus maybe even the tan minus um, some of those other things. The other person who has talked a little bit about this is Dr. Jean Laurence, mm -hmm. the melatonin guy. He tells you, you know, to do the 300 to 400 milligram melatonin suppositories. And if you've seen his skin in person, he looks phenomenal. He says that that kind of prevents him from needing to take sunblock or anything like that. That's him in a nutshell. I mean, you should check him out. He's check him out. He's a fascinating individual. Mm -hmm. However, when we think about, you know, I just want to bring him up because it's super relevant when we're thinking about like, there's so much more we need to learn about these melanocorticoid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you have any opinion just uh, as, a, as a side note, do you have any opinion about like high uh, doses of melatonin? Do you have any uh, thoughts of that on that? So in clinical practice, I've seen, there's a lot of, I think he's right. A lot of the fears around high dose melatonin or are misguided and misinformed in a biochemical sense. A lot of these compounds are multiphasic. Mm -hmm. What that means is each dose of that compound is going to have a completely different effect in the body. Another mm -hmm. compound that's music is CBD. Yeah. You know, you take a very low dose, it'll have a certain effect. You take a very high dose, it'll have an immune effect. It'll have a muscle recovery effect, right? So the dose makes a huge difference. With melatonin, I think the same thing happens. Some people will take three milligrams of liposomal melatonin. And they're like, oh my God, I was so groggy. I couldn't wake up. My whole day was ruined. 
I I can't get used to it. I've done it a few times. It's, it makes me feel horrible. I can't even go down to a smaller dose, 0.5 milligrams. It just feels horrible. Then those same people will take the high dose melatonin. They feel great. They have sleep, great sleep data. And also the suppository pathway, you know, in delivery into the colon may just be different. There may be a different way that it interacts with the hepatic liver metabolism. So that's my thing with that. Uh, the immune system is powerfully regulated by that high dose melatonin. People can handle it. And if it's relevant, I certainly utilize that to rebalance the immune system, certain functional oncology, like functional cancer treatment, the, the data is undeniable how powerful it is. And then just what it skin, I think is super interesting. I've seen people do do that for just a month, two months of uh, the Jean Laurent's protocol and their skin just has that bronzy glow. And then, you know, also you become more tolerant of uh, sun and like, you know, mm-hmm. you feel like you don't need to wear sunblock anymore. So it's just really interesting to think about, but not for everybody. I personally don't utilize it. I, it didn't have a great effect on my body. And I have quite a few clients that I work with. It's not relevant for them. It's not a good approach for them, but then there's some people who it's amazing for. And yeah, very interesting. I've been looking at it for a while and and considering doing it as far as um, going back to like uh, topical and skin applications. I wonder if you agree with me and you kind of alluded to it. Uh, A lot of people are asking us, oh, you know, I saw that you have GHKCU in your product, or I saw well, I saw that you guys have peptides. What kind of peptides are they? And for the most part, I'm underwhelmed by peptides, topical peptides in, in skincare. Not, you know, there are obvious reasons such as you when you are, you know, in the industry, you see the misuse or the aim to elevate your brand's status by talking about peptides because it's something that most people don't really understand what they are, but they understand that they want them in their skincare. And that's a good way to kind of make your skincare sound good. That's number one. That's beside the point. But what I think peptides are good for is that maybe last 10, 20% of active ingredients in formulations. Just how do we round up the formula and make sure that we do cover all the bases as far as what our skin can absorb. Would you agree with me that for the most part, and maybe like really for every peptide, it's better if we find a way to bypass the skin and get it into our body, whether it is injectable or some peptides that are now being able to be taken orally? Absolutely. I I do agree with that. I think thinking about transdermal inside out in this context of peptides may make a little bit more sense than outside in. Mm-hmm. However, you know, like skincare is more like what you do every single day, right? And it's the consistency of like the mm-hmm. young protocol. You know, I can do that at night very easily for an entire year, very consistently. Mm-hmm. GHK, injectable, sub-Q, you're, you're not going to want to do that for more than a month, yeah. you know? So it's kind of like, think about with skincare, if that's a goal that people have, sometimes people will ask, it's interesting the things people ask you versus think people ask me, they ask me, what can I, you know, can I just keep taking GHKU and just injectable and how quickly generate my skin? Mm -hmm. And my thing is, well, we don't know the safety data for long-term use 
for some of these compounds. It seems to be good, you know, we're hypothesizing, but then we discover all these things that happen to people um, when they abusing doses or doing something for certain period. But I think injectable sub-Q is think about cycles and think about what outcomes you want to see in those cycles. And if you're able to get those and stacks are always a good idea, combine KPV, GHK, you know, BPC, combine them, do all three of them for a month straight, you know, yeah, do that twice a year. But then with the topicals, what's great is you can do it every single day, twice a day. And, uh, you know, it's going to have a slower effect. So you're going to have a higher adherence yourself to it. Yeah, I agree. Well, there are some peptides. The peptides that I do like as well as a as a major player in skincare are kind of newer peptides that we see right now that are involved more in the way that we interact again with the environmental stressors, etc. I don't know if you've heard about a peptide that is going to become it's a little expensive right now to formulate with, but you we use it in our sunscreen and and I know other companies are going to start incorporating it more and more, which is called Ectoin. And Ectoin is a peptide from uh, from extremophiles, which are these little creatures that can live in extreme temperatures. And that's how their cells kind of repair their uh, cell barrier. And that's a very good like adjunct for environmental stressor exposure. So that I like the idea of like, uh, you know, repairing acid mantle, which is this part of the skin barrier or your, your skin barrier makes sense. But everything that we really want to kind of get transdermally to absorb through the skin, I agree with you. It's something that that is is not you shouldn't expect you know to, to to apply a peptide you know for a month and see crazy results that's not like the role of peptides in skincare so i'm glad you're saying it's a smart way to describe it i wanted to take a quick break for this episode to chat with you about our young goose skincare product and our special offer for our podcast listeners Our products are the world's first biohacking skincare products. And what they aim to do is to reboot uh, your skin cells to a youthful state so they can correct the cellular damage that is accumulated over time. Our favorite products and the one that we recommend everyone to start with are is our care concentrated moisturizer that can be used as both a day and a and the night cream. What this product is really specially delivering to the skin is our NAD precursors that are nano-sized and lipolized. They are both NR and NMN. And what they aim to do is to fuel the repair processes that our skin engages in by activating also our sirtuins, which are our anti-aging genes or our longevity genes that are responsible for DNA repair and basically repairing who we are really as human beings. In order to do that in the most effective way, we combine it with our enhanced resveratrol, which is fermented resveratrol, that allows resveratrol to be 50 times more bioavailable in the skin and actually non-toxic because most people don't know that resveratrol is actually toxic for the skin since the skin doesn't have the enzyme to break it down like our gut does. So by fermenting the the resveratrol and introducing the enzymes in the fermentation process, we can obviously make it non-toxic and 50 times more bioavailable. And Care Concentrated Moisturizer also has 10 more active ingredients that support those processes, such as CoQ10, PQQ, two forms of vitamin C, 
and even turmeric and B vitamins. This is the first product we recommend. The second is eye care, which is a version of care specifically for the eyes. It also contains our NAD precursors and also contains very, very advanced peptides, our proprietary complex that includes GHKCU, a copper peptide that is very famous for its anti-aging abilities. The third product we recommend is our ProCare Serum. And that is a very special serum because it interacts with the mTOR pathway, which is a pathway that is very famous for its ability to affect how we age. So this product does a few things, but really what it does, it eliminates senescent cells, which are cells that harm our skin because our skin couldn't clear them very well. So it eliminates those, regenerates the skin. It stimulates the mitochondria with lilac uh, cell culture extract. And it also has a very strong and effective form of vitamin C that is well known to help the skin regenerate itself. Combining these three products by first applying ProCare, then eye care, and then care will give you the best results you've ever experienced for your skin, and that we guarantee. If you would like to try these products, you can head over to younggoose.com, to our website, and when checking out, please use the promo code PODCAST20 in all capital letters in order to get 20% off your first purchase. Again, head over to younggoose.com and use promo code PODCAST20 in all capitals for 20% off your first purchase. And now let's get back to the podcast. Going to the route of inside out and maybe playing on another one of your expertise, but, but within that realm, I really like, especially BPC 157, maybe you'll, you'll tell me some other ones that can really help with uh, gut function, with the way where, you know, for people who have issues like IBS and things like that, but in general, help with gut permeability and gut function. So BPC obviously is one of them because it is derived from, uh, from our bile, but, but what else or how would you describe the relationship of peptides and like uh, gut function? That's a great question. So we already have peptides that are repairing the gut lining constantly in our body. Mm -hmm. We don't necessarily have a way to test if you have an endogenous deficiency of a certain peptide or not, but it's hypothesized that some people that are prone to Crohn's disease or IBD, irritable bowel disease, may have certain deficiencies in the ways that their body produces some of these healing peptides, which is why BPC is transformative for the Crohn's colitis population. Mm -hmm. So yes, in with that inside-out approach, you know, I am a microbiome practitioner. That's a that's a huge part of that's the cornerstone of my practice is the microbiome, res restoring the gut barrier will that's part of our, that is a, you know, endothelial tissue. So that's a, that's healing the skin inside will heal the skin outside. I see it time. And um, when I work with people, once we restore the gut microbiome, because that's the pathway I'm looking at, that's what I am looking to heal. We'll see their skin change and transform in a very short period of time. Yeah. So what's the role of peptide healing the gut microbiome? So the, their main role is going to be to heal and seal those junctions in the gut. So people are now very familiar with gastric permeability. That's when there are uh, loose 
in between um, the one cell layer of your gut membrane and proteins will pass into your bloodstream, create immune reactions to it, create inflammation that'll begin to damage your gut lining, the mucous membranes over time. So both oral thymosin beta-4, injectable thymosin beta-4, BPC, um, there's new peptides being explored, um, lazaropeptide in this of gut healing, combining it with other healing compounds for the gut, like quercetin, you know, different phytosome extracts of curcumin, you know, PEA, which is an anti-inflammatory endorphin signaling. So, it's, you know, when I work with somebody, it's all about figuring out what is the best approach for them based on their unique physiology. But combining peptides with these other healing compounds to heal that gut will now solidify that microbiome and help condition that microbiome because now you can grow that mucus layer that's so healthy and so much a part of that gut-associated lymphoid tissue. And as you're growing that and have that healthy mucus membrane, certain bugs ability to proliferate. So when we do a peptide slash gut sealing protocol, I often see people being able to see really dramatic improvements when they take like a bifidobacteria, which kind of occupies that space. And then they kind of feel that inside out approach. Their skin outside also begins to feel a lot more hydrated. Whereas when you have those food proteins leaking and you have that gastric permeability, you will notice breakouts and you will notice skin in extreme cases, psoriasis. So we see both. When the gut is open, we see it reflected. When that gastric permeability is sealed, that mucous membrane has healthy function, we will see that healthy um, dewy expression as well. Yeah, and, and I think it's important, like what you were kind of alluding to, which is that relationship between conquering or reoccupying the gut with good bacteria and that permeability in uh, mucous membrane, right? Because sometimes it's, if someone has a really compromised gut permeability, we can, it's it's a real challenge to introduce or to replace the, the gut flora, right? It's, it, it's, it's almost, uh, it's almost like uh, they're very sensitive. They can take like full doses. It's almost like the chicken and the egg, no pun intended, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Interesting. You know, we're, we're, I think both of us are a fan of uh, like microbiome labs, which is what I, what I take as, as uh, probiotics. And, and I do hear from a lot of people who are, you know, whatever, who have patients that, that have a hard time, you know, starting the, you know, with full doses. And I want to scream at them like, yeah, you should, you should use some, some uh, BPC-157 for a while beforehand. Yeah. So, so maybe since we went on this deep dive into peptides, et cetera, what are some of the other things that you are interested in as far as uh, your practice? I see behind you vaginal health kit, BiomeFX. What are some of the things that are, that you feel are, are in the forefront of, of, of your practice of health optimization, et cetera? So something that's really important to me is order of operations. That's what phase are which part of your protocol? I have access to any and every tool. Mm-hmm. I work with regenerative clinics in LA. I have access to some of the most incredible cutting edge tools, V-cell, stem cell therapies, you know, plasma lighted therapies, exosomes, oral exosomes. I have 
I have a colleague that uh, nano wraps these, um, he fractions and then nano wraps certain CD cells so we can take the exosomes orally. And that's been powerful. I've been doing that my, for a period of time now. So I have access to all of these things. And a lot of people, um, they'll meet me from this, this world and they'll come to me and they'll say, well, I want to do the regenerative stuff. What can I do? <laughs> Tell me the stem cell protocol, you know, what, how can I do this? And what get all the benefits of anti-aging through the regenerative stuff? There's nothing I see more transformative than doing the gut protocols. The cornerstone of my training and, and the foundation of what I practice is that multi microbiome resetting, hitting it properly, you know, clearing out that candida. In men, I have seen testosterone jump so high that the client's general practitioner does not believe that they're not. Uh, wow. Exogenous testosterone, you know? Wow. So is that an area that there's research backing up that clearing candidiasis in men will increase testosterone? No, it's hypothetical. This is why I love the clinical work because it gives me these insights and I see it over and over again. So for me, there is nothing comparable to that. And then research informed as well, right? You want to be working with somebody who understands the science of candida how to clear it out, how to clear out the gut, how to sequence the right ways to get that microbial terrain in order so that you can have that super centarian gut, you know, yeah. have that gut that is hyper resilient, has anti-aging factors built in the very microbiome because that's the roots of your tree. Once you've done that, and once you have looked at that very critically. So next year, there's some, there's going to be some interesting publications on candida and candidiasis from a research perspective. And I can't wait. There's, you know, there's going to be a big book published on um, a compilation of research coming out in January, you know, for a more advanced population that studies this material. And I'm really looking forward to seeing like what we found from that. As clinicians, we've been leaders in candida treatment because just the research has been limited and we've been we've been at the forefront of that so i'd love to see what that brings as far as what i'm excited about continuing to integrate peptides with the microbiome resetting yeah what that will do is that shrinks the time frame and that can be so powerful instead of somebody who comes in with crohn's colitis needing to do nine month protocol to be at a certain baseline function with BPC, TB4, KPV, sometimes even GHK, because that has gut healing properties as well, we can shrink that time frame down um, and then they can feel better. Their brain feels better. So it's, it's so powerful. I'm so excited about that. I am excited to see how we can create nanovesicles with peptides to override the sub-Q injection. I don't mind sub-Q injections, but a lot of people, they're uncomfortable and they, they are tedious. So I am going to be working with a colleague in this area who um, I cannot name on the podcast, <laughs> but uh, to figure out how we can do that. And, um, and then that's going to be very transformative. So, you know, integrating all of these tools with the cutting edge stuff to just create that healing in the most efficacious way people can just go and do what they love. Yeah. 
I agree. I, you know, it's it's so smart to, to call it like the roots of the tree because it's, you know, it's like that old physical therapist or like personal trainer that you're going to come, that person's going to come to and they're like, oh, I, I need you to tell me how long I need to run or whatever because I want to lose some weight. And all he's going to do for the first like month, two months, three months, four months, he's going to have you lift heavy weights and you're going to get frustrated. You're going to be like, no, I'm here to burn calories. But the problem is that you need the, those roots, right? You need something that burns those calories. So I think it's a wonderful approach saying first, okay, let's get the things that are going to drive your body to a positive direction to get them all aligned. And then we can, you know, ask the body to do whatever we, we want it to do. So that's a beautiful approach. What I would say always is that I think something that people can take away from this podcast is that it is an art to have um, one eye on the scientific innovation or the latest research realm and another eye on whatever is working in the field, if you would, in a clinical setting. And that is why it's either you dedicate your life to it or you go and seek someone who, who did and you are one of those people. So I would love for, for people to know how they can reach out to you and work with you and, and figure out how you can help them. So how would, what would be the best way to do that? Yeah, absolutely. So also something I want to mention on that notice for your listeners, I'm happy to provide brief free consultation. Very often, I find that the free consultations I'm able to provide a lot of value to somebody that's going through something or direct them to a certain place, or oftentimes that gives them the preview of understanding what take to work with my practice. So that's not something I offer to just people in general, but to your listeners, I'd be willing to offer that. They can reach out to me on Instagram, Integrative Oasis. I've been so practice focused, not posted a ton on Instagram, but uh, but I'm very accessible on there and you can reach out to me through that or my website. You can schedule directly integrativeoasis.com. But yes, feel free to me with through my website, through Instagram, or my email coach at integrativeoasis.com. That's the name of my practice, you know, because it's like an oasis of healing. And then I'm integrating the ancient them with the new science. So that's that's the cornerstone of what I do. So yes, feel free to reach out to me. I'd love to connect with uh, the amazing uh, Young Goose audience. Yeah, thank you. And and you are definitely Young Goose approved. If there is anyone in this field that is Young Goose approved is you. So anyone who listened until now, you know, he get they get, he, she, they get uh, a beautiful um offer to, to get a free consultation, which I highly, highly, highly recommend. I mean, on air, off air, uh, always, it's uh, it's an absolute eye-opening experience to talk to you. You're very knowledgeable. You know your stuff so well. And, and you know, from a nerd like me that feels like they're on the cutting edge or whatever, it's it's very impressive to, to talk to you. Yeah. So we're going to have everything in the show notes as far as how to reach out, you know, the best places, etc. And I just want to really thank you always for the time that you dedicated for us. It was it was great. Thank you so much, Amitai. It's been a pleasure. It's been so much fun, you know, with your knowledge, unique knowledge of peptides and just the regenerative stuff. And, um, you know, a lot of the similar research and spaces we're a part of. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. And, um, you know, 
looking forward to doing it again sometime in the future. Yes, sir. Yes, let's do it. All right. Thank you very much, always. All right. Thank you.